You're listening to the Morning Brew with Stu Podcast, and here's your host, Stuart Brooking. And here we go. Welcome to the Morning Brew with Stu. As always, I'm your host, Stuart Brooking, and my guest today, I believe it's his debut. I could be wrong, but it's the he's part of the Off the Ball Network co-host of the field stormers podcast of mo murphy and a big time college football guy for off the ball network the one the only walker bailey walker welcome for your debut dude thanks for having me i'm super excited to be here uh i feel like this has been a long time coming feels like there's not a better time for it either we're right around the corner from a college football playoff so exciting times yeah it's 100 correct we're going to talk about the college football playoffs and and kind of the things coming up here for pretty much all four teams. But you you've been a TCU guy pretty much all year. You know, me and you, we've had our back and forth on TCU. I wasn't a believer. Then I was like, all right, let's put them in. And then I was like, yeah, you can't really take them out for this situation. Those types of things. So you've kind of converted me a little bit on TCU, but I want to talk about TCU before we talk about both games as a whole. Because I, I get it that TCU is a is a power five school by all means. Like they're in the Big 12. I understand that. But I do think this changes things for some of the smaller schools if they happen to pull this off versus Michigan. And I say that because it has the same vibe that 2017 had with uh, Washington and that Jake Brownie team. And with John Ross, if they beat Bama, it's like, all right, well, finally we, we can start taking some of these other schools that we consider to be okay, serious opponents. I think if TCU pulls this off, I, I think, you know, we could start to really do, I, you'll see a lot more people like me start to think like you think, which is anybody can win a national championship given the right caliber of, of teams. I don't think Cincinnati was that team last year. We don't have to talk about last year because that was last year, but I do think TCU has a real shot to at least get there and play for a national championship. I do too. Um, You know, I've gone back and forth a lot about TCU Michigan and just how that matchup is going to play out Uh, because like, I mean, I would be sitting here lying and being totally drinking Kool-Aid if I tried to come on here and tell you like, Hey, like TCU is just straight up the better team. Like that's not true. Um, Do I, that doesn't mean I don't think that they're talented enough to win the game. Like I think that they have enough players. They've got a core, they've got a really talented quarterback um that seems to play his best football in the most important moments and so and they've got a good head coach that I think is going to be really prepared so you know I've gone back and forth with it a lot but I just think that I think that it's important that they find a way to win in this for college football in the sense that like we need to get to a place where it's like hey like especially in the transfer portal world there are going to be non-brand teams that collect just like have years where they collect elite groups of talent, even if it's just a one-off season where maybe they're not becoming like this major brand, but they did have one season where they were like really, really good. And I think we have to get to that place where we, and I know it's impossible for everybody to watch every game of every team. Like that's not something that I would ever ask, but like we do have to get to a place where like when we get to where we were with TCU and it's like, all right, they're eight and zero in a power five league. Like we have to get to a place where we actually sit down and be like, all right, is this team actually good? And if you watch their game, like if you cut on the tape against Texas this year, 
like if you just look at the box score, you're like, ah, 17 to 10, that's really unimpressive. But like when you know the top line talent that Texas has and when you know how well they play at home and they go down there and they hold Texas to like a hundred yards of total offense and zero total offensive touchdowns. Like that's the type of thing for a big 12 team where you're like, all right, they lined up across the team, all across from a team of five stars with a guy that we wanted to anoint the Heisman winner after a couple games and a running back that we believe, or that a lot of people believe is the best running back in this upcoming draft class. And they completely turned them into not, I think Bijan had like 12 carries for 29 yards in that game. So I just think we have to get to a place where like, we can't just be like, Oh God, like, it's TCU, like they're going to fold at the end, or it's Washington, they're going to fold at the end, or whoever it may be. Um, because I think a lot of these power fives with the portal and just what the way recruiting is now, they're going to have one-off years where they accumulate a lot of talent and find a way to win a lot of games. And I think that's why the 12 team is such a good thing because the then like we won't have to worry about whether or not these non-brands will get left out. It'll just be win the games and you get in, and then we'll find out on our own whether or not it's real. Yeah, 100%. Let's talk about that matchup versus Michigan here. TCU, how do you think that their defense and that 3-3-5 defense will, will fare versus Michigan? I, I, You probably know more than me. I'm not sure if Blake Corum is going to be healthy enough to play. He might be done for the year. I don't even know. But um, <laughs> how do you think they'll fare, especially if Blake Corum's in? There will be that, that strong run game and, again, versus that 3-3-5 that Michigan or that TCU likes to run. I'm assuming he's just not going to be healthy enough to play. And if he does play, I'm going to assume that he's going to be less than a hundred percent. But Donovan Edwards has been so dynamic, even with Corum out that I don't think that Corum is just a massive loss for Michigan. You know, it's interesting because like with the three, three, five, you would think, Oh, well, they're going to be really susceptible to like dominant run games. And like, that's where they're going to get beat and that's where they're going to get exposed. But to this point, they really haven't. Like I mentioned the Texas game again, like, you know, Texas came out and Sarkeesian was like, all right, if they're going to line three down and line three down against us, like we're just going to physically dominate them and run the football down their throats. And it didn't work. Um, now, Michigan's going to be like that on steroids because they're going to be more physical up front. They're going to be better up front. They're going to have they won't have as good of a running back. But if you give any running back the right lanes, the right running lanes, then he's going to be able to hit home runs. So they're just going to have to step up to the test and match the physicality again. And I think the difference between on field stormers, I compared this a lot to the Ohio state game. I think that they're going to mimic Ohio state's defensive game plan against Michigan a lot in a lot of ways, because TCU has the guys in the back end where they can actually match up man to man and cover and like cover Michigan. Ohio state didn't have that. Like, and we saw that they got torched, but I think that they have the guys, I mean, they have the Thorpe winner in Travis Hodges Tomlinson, um, the ULM transfer, I, his name escapes me right now, but he was really good on the other side for TCU this year. So I think they actually have the guys to match up man to man where they're going to sell out early to stop run. And this is going to come down to whether or not JJ McCarthy can make throws. And I talked about it on field stormers. Like he definitely will turn the ball over. Like he's done that some this year. We saw it against Purdue in the big 10 championship. Like if you like, he's not afraid to make a bad decision and turn the ball over. And I think that's kind of where TCU has to get to in order to win the game. You have to get them in some of those third and longs 
and then he's going to get moving around and all of a sudden maybe force a bad decision because Michigan is so talented defensively that you are going to need some short fields in order to accumulate points against them. Yeah, 100%. Uh, let's focus on Michigan and, and kind of, you know, their defense versus this offense. You know, I compared Max Duggan in the group chat to a Tim Tebow type of guy, but I will say I'm not talking about just the style of play, but when you go back to those Florida teams in 06, 07, 08, you know, all the way up until he got drafted, when he was there, more so after he took over for Chris Leak than, than Daring, he kind of, his attitude and his, like, just aura kind of carried that team. I There's a lot of talented guys with Percy Harvin and Riley Cooper and Aaron Hernandez. I don't want to, like, overstep that and say that those guys weren't talented. But they really thrived with Tim Tebow and his his gutsy nature and his fight for it nature. And I I see that a lot with a guy like Max Duggan, who lays it all on the line every game. He plays his heart out, and he's a guy who's going to carry TCU as about as far as TCU will go, and they will go as far as they will go because of Max Duggan. Is I know there's questions about maybe Max's ability to throw the football, but do you think? Max has enough in him to win this game if he has to throw it a, a ton. I think I actually think that the matchup's going to come down to like like Duggan is what he is like and their offense is what it is and they're going to throw a lot of these 50-50 balls and so like I think a lot of this is going to come down to whether or not guys like Quentin Johnson and Savion Williams can win 50-50 balls against Michigan's DBs which and, Johnson's like Megatron 2.0 so I know yeah like and so I like I don't know like I don't know the answer to that question as to whether or not they're going to be able to win those 50-50 balls cuz they are 50-50 but I like I do think if I'm Michigan, I'm actually gearing up and kind of been like, all right, like we need to keep we need to take Kendra Miller out of the game. Like we need to not give them running lanes, not let them get downhill, because when TCU doesn't have success running the football, whether it's with Duggan or Miller or uh oh god, the other running back's name escapes me, but uh number oh uh D Mercado. Um when those guys can't get going, they tend to get a little bit like all right, like we can't run it. I'm about to just chunk it down the field. Like we're going to throw go like four verts, mash the four verts button and just chunk it down there. And so I think you want to get them into that place. And then you try to win those 50, 50 balls, because if you let TCU run the ball, it's going to open up play action. They're going to get the tight ends involved. And then you're just stuck in a rocking chair all afternoon. And that's, and that's where you don't want to be with the Dykes offense. So I think that I not load the box, but you're kind of run blitzing early downs uh, and making sure Kendra Miller and DeMarcado don't get going. And then you try to win those 50-50 balls with Johnson. Um, maybe you give safety help over the top if you're playing man-to-man uh, to where Johnson's almost double-teamed all afternoon and you make those other receivers beat you. So there's ways that they can do it. I think that both defenses are going to have success. Um, they've had a month to game plan. So I kind of expect both defenses to have success and then and it to be a lower-scoring affair. Yeah, I I agree. Here's the thing, Walker. Like, it's been made a big deal, especially by the committee, especially after the first college football rankings, which I know you were you were pissed about when they first came out. And I told you, I said, hang on, eventually they'll be four, and they were. But the thing, this whole narrative about TCU having to fight, come back from behind, didn't it didn't work out for them versus Kansas State in the Big Twelve championship. 
Is this a game where TCU's got to get out early, get the lead early? Because if they don't, the chances of them coming back is going to be tougher. Um, you know, I don't think so. Like, I think that this group deserves at some point the benefit of the doubt for being an incredibly resilient bunch that just refuses to get blown out. And so that's why, like, I think with a lot of people talking about, well, you know, whoever gets TCU, they're just going to blow them out. And maybe Georgia would have, maybe Ohio State would have, I don't know. But, you know, I don't think this is a game where, like, TCU just has to, like, I don't think that they have to jump out early. Like, I think that they're talented enough and they have they have enough, you know, capital for me where it's like, all right, like, I've seen this team go into the locker room, and like, their coaching staff, their players go in and make significant adjustments to a game plan and come out and look like a completely different team and then dominate an entire second half. It is not a stretch at all to say that this is by far the most talented opponent that they will have played against this year. That is a fact. And so – I do think that it would help a lot if they jumped out early and then got into the locker room and made adjustments because they're definitely better in second halves than they are in first halves. Um, But I don't think that we can just turn, you know, if Michigan's up 14 to three at halftime or something and be like, oh, Michigan's in control, like this is over. Like, I do think that you they do have enough capital with me where I'm like locked in for four quarters or at least three quarters where it's going to have to be like, it's going to have to be way out of control before I'm like, all right, this one's over. Yeah. TCU is, is definitely one of those teams that you can't count out early, you know? Um, Cause I think even like first half against Kansas state who closed as a top 10 team and won the big 12, they were down 28 to 10 at like in the second quarter yeah. and, they, and they won that game by multiple scores. Yeah. So. Here's the thing we're going to focus on transition now to the Ohio state, Georgia thing. Um, maybe you're maybe you're not the person to answer this because you're not an Ohio State fan, but I think I'll ask you anyways. Just as a college football fan, um, for for Ryan Day, there was a lot of chat. We heard it because we're in the Off the Ball Network, and we those Ohio State fans are loud in that chat. Um, when they lost to Michigan, we heard it. Ryan, Day, they wanted Ryan Day's head on a silver platter, and they wanted them out of town. Is this game versus Georgia a legacy game, in your opinion, for Ryan Day, as far as where he's going to where he's going to measure up as far as Ohio State coaches go? Yeah, you know, in a weird way, I think it is, and then I think it's also like an Ohio State culture game because since Urban left and Day took over, they've been this team that, and I hate to say the word front runners, but they've almost been front runners. Like that, when everything is perfect, Ohio State's awesome. They will absolutely beat your brains out. They will be more talented than you. Everything they do is going to be really pretty, really flashy. But when it comes time where, you know, it's 25 degrees and you got a team that wants to line up and just punch you in the mouth and run it down your throat, this is now back-to-back years where Ryan Day's teams have kind of folded. And so I think for Ohio State, this has been like a gift from God saying, and I think that, for them, I know they're playing Georgia, and but you have to line up and match like their level of physicality. You have to line up and just match the intensity in which that team is going to play, and that's something under Ryan Day that they haven't done yet. I mean, they haven't shown us that they're capable of doing that. Now, and I said this on Field Stormers, it like C.J. Stroud in his own has to have that type of game. 
<clears throat> if you want to be QB one in the NFL draft and all that, and you want to be considered all that, you have to make your team better in these moments. And you have to be like, all right, things aren't going well. Cool. Get on my back. We're like, I'm going to settle us down and get us back in this game because like Bryce young does it. We've seen Max Duggan do it. We've seen Stetson Bennett do it in the national championship game. CJ Stroud's the only quarterback in this playoff. That's never done that. And so for me, like, yes, it's a Ryan day legacy game. And that trickles down to his quarterback it trickles down to his line to scrimmage because this is the program he's built. And I think really like if they can't get it done with this group, as talented as they are, you know, best receiver in college football, great complimentary receivers, probably the one of the three best running back rooms in college football, top five NFL draft pick at quarterback. If you can't get it done with this group, then why would I ever believe you're going to get it done? Great point. 100%. And that's, those are some things that, you know, I've asked Jay about, and everybody can hear his answer, you know, tomorrow after this episode comes out. But here's the thing, Walker. I'm a I'm a Ryan Day guy. I know he gets a lot of heat, but he runs that version. I guess they call it a, uh, you know, an air raid version 4.0, where he he does run sort of an air raid offense, but he adds the elements of the the uh, RPOs and the run games and some of those complicated mixes in there as well. When you look at what Ryan Day does, he's a football genius, in my opinion. And I think C.J. Stroud is one of those top quarterbacks. But here's the thing. Mo talks about this all the time with certain coaches. He talks about with Kyle Shanahan in the NFL. Maybe some guys are just coordinators and not meant to be head coaches. As much as of a football genius as I think Ryan Day is, maybe he's not a leader of young men or a leader of men at all. Maybe he's he's suited to be that role as an offensive coordinator. Because he's really, really smart, and his play designs are great, but there are times where it does seem like that team lacks in something. It could be a culture thing too, though, like or an, or not a culture thing. It could be an evaluation thing. Like maybe they're just not getting the right guys. Like maybe it's he's got the wrong guys in the strength and conditioning program. Like it could be the smallest thing. We don't know, but like if you come and lay an egg against Georgia, you have to make sweeping changes. And I'm not talking about firing Ryan Day. They shouldn't. They would be absolutely mad to fire Ryan Day, but you have to you have to evaluate and look inwards because this is now like it's no longer a one-off this is becoming a reoccurring thing happening year in and year out and you have to figure out what is the issue why is it happening and how do we fix it and so that's what i'm interested in because we're getting to a point with ohio state where like we gave notre dame shit for years because they would go into the playoff and go into big games and lay eggs and get blown out. And you would just watch the line of scrimmage and they would get dominated. And we'd be like, see, why do we keep putting them in here? But like, why do we not have this energy with Ohio state now? This is multiple years in a row where they've done this and they've, and they're not to the level that Notre Dame ever got to, but like we're getting there. Like we're in the process, like we're on the road heading that direction. So I think in order for them to, remain the one of the elite of the elite programs and right now they are one of the top three co- uh, football programs in college football for me like doesn't they are in tier one and i don't even think twice about it they have like they have to perform and that doesn't even necessarily mean win but you have to perform there's a chance that george is just better than you and that's okay but you have to perform and be like all right you know they match george's physicality at the line of scrimmage georgia just made more plays like you have to be able to walk out of that and live with it. Yeah, definitely. And, and when you look on the other side for Georgia, 
this is a a group that's very talented. I'm, you know, say what you want about Stetson Bennett. I know some people love him. I'm not a big fan. I mean, he's gone. There was a stretch during the year where he went three games without throwing a touchdown pass, and one of those was versus Kent State. You can't score versus Kent State. Why do I think you can score in the biggest games of them all? That's just my opinion, but I look at it and say, you've got the two tight ends as well. you got the running back. Stetson Bennett's shown he can he can play at the highest level. That Ohio State defense is going to have to be on it, and they're going to have their hands full for an entire 60 minutes in that one. Yeah, and I think Stetson Bennett has shown us, like, again, I talked about benefit of the doubt and capital. Since he's already been to the playoff and made those throws in big-time moments and he's won big-time games, I'm kind of just like, I assume he's going to play okay and he's going to be fine. Um, Maybe that's a dangerous assumption for a kid that's not just the utmost talented kid in the world. But I kind of am giving him the benefit of the doubt. I think the big thing for Ohio State is, like, your secondary has to match Georgia's talent level and, like, you have you can't just let guys run open because if they let guys run open like they did against Michigan, then Stu, you or I could play quarterback and Georgia's gonna win. <laughs> like, I mean, that's the problem for Ohio State is like, I mean, they let so many guys run so wide open and and you don't really know what to make of it because Ohio State didn't play anybody all season. So is it a one off where they just didn't play well and Michigan had a great plan? Or is well, that I will just- say I will say, I just I talked to Jay. I did a podcast with Jay before this one. Again, it comes out tomorrow, so be sure to tune in. Listen to this one first. But he said those are things that Ohio State fans have seen all year, but instead of them turning into touchdowns, they've either turned into, like, the drives stalling out or three points. And for Michigan, they just happen to take advantage of those 20- or 30-yard plays and turn them into touchdowns. Yeah, well, I mean, if they're if Michigan's doing it with their athletes, then Georgia's definitely going to. Yeah. Georgia, has, Georgia again, like Georgia is Michigan on steroids. Like, I mean, they're going to have that like same identity. Like, they want to be physical and run the ball, and they're going to be well prepared and well coached. Uh, Todd Monken's going to do a great job calling plays. He always does, and so they're going to have a great game plan for Ohio State. You have to step up and match the level of, like, match the level of physicality on the line of scrimmage for one. And then you have to play better in the back end. I mean, you simply have to play better in the back end. And I don't know if that's a strategy thing where, you know, they need to simplify things and go more man-to-man or if they need to play more zone because they're incapable of playing man-to-man. But I will say this, Jim Knowles is a – I don't want to use the word stubborn because uh, that sounds condescending and insulting, but, like, he's a committed guy. Like, he has his beliefs and his scheme, and he's going to stick to them. They're going to play the way they're going to play. So that's one of those things where it feels like they just have to execute his scheme better, or maybe it's going to take a few years. But if they can't cover in the back end, George is going to score every drive. Yeah, I agree. Here's the thing that I love about this college football playoff. TCU wins. They make it to the national championship. It's a great story. Or It's one of those that they'll, they'll make movies about, whatever. Uh, probably not that far, but I'm kidding. But the point becomes like, it is one of those things where like, you know, a lot of people count them out. Michigan wins. And now all eyes are on that second game between Georgia and Ohio state because Ohio state wins. And this Michigan, Ohio state national championship game might be the biggest game in a decade that we've seen play out. Plus if Georgia wins, then you Michigan 
it's the revenge game. And either way that this plays out, ESPN can market this into a, a killer game because it, it'll be the revenge game for Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines if they play Georgia because Georgia was the team that beat them last year. But if they play Ohio State, then we already know, dude, it's going to be the most talked about event in town for the next week until they play on that Monday, on January 8th, Monday, or January 9th, the Monday, whichever, whatever it is. So we come into this, man. I think all eyes, obviously all eyes are going to be on both games, but if Michigan wins, all eyes are on that second game. And, I mean, dude, I love the storylines in this college football playoff. I do, too. I, I, I think there's no way that Saturday goes or whatever that I'm not like, all right, like I'm super, I'm not super excited for the national championship game. Um, I mean, obviously I'm hoping that TCU gets in. Like, I mean, I want that story to keep going. Like I want them to continue to win. Uh, always not. I don't want to say I'm always cheering for the little guy, but I'm always cheering for the non-brand. Um, but, but I mean like the other, and the other thing too, is like with Michigan, like if they win a national championship, I mean, we're talking about, not the rebirth of a dynasty, but the rebirth of a college football giant because they've reached the pinnacle again. And like, we made fun of them for so long for being dead, basically the Brady hopes of the world and all of those coaching failures that happened there. I mean, they're back. Like they're a superpower again at that point. Um, And, you know, if Georgia wins a national championship, then we have to start talking about dynasty. Like we have to, I mean, that's back to back. They've repeated multiple years you know you know they're going to be probably the most talented team in the country again next year like like we're looking at kind of a birth of a dynasty and then with ohio state like if they find a way to win it then like ryan day joins the elite club of ohio state coaches that got the job done and you beat the most talented team in the country in the process and you probably upstaged your biggest rival in the national championship game it would be probably the all-time greatest national championship run in ohio state history yeah, I I know a lot of people. I know unanimously the greatest college, college national championship football game ever played was the USC yep. Texas game. But if if this turns out to be Michigan Ohio State, that it could wind up being this game we see, you know, between those two teams. I think that would be something special. I think you'd have, you know, they're always both teams rise up, but I think the fact of like. If Ryan Day goes 0-3, 0-2 in one season, and he has to turn around and, you know, all this type of stuff, I just think there's a lot of storylines here that could that could just pan out and that is absolutely lovely for college football as a sport and for us college football fans as well. All right. I want to go now to the score predictions for each game, and then we'll kind of just – I'll have you pick your national champion. So your score prediction for the TCU Michigan game is. I'm going to take TCU 27, 24. I have to remain committed to the brand. <laughs> um, I just think they make one more play. I think they kind of force some turnovers. I I know that Michigan beat Purdue by three touchdowns. And like, that's probably what people saw. But if you actually watched that game, I thought you saw a lot of the downside to Michigan. Like, they had to score on a lot of short fields and force turnovers. And like, I'm not faulting Michigan for forcing turnovers. Like that's a good thing, but their offense couldn't stay on the field. They couldn't sustain drives. 
their defense had trouble with short passing attacks, which they're going to see a lot against TCU. And so I think that, and McCarthy didn't look good. And so I think that when you face corners and the secondary play as good as TCU, they'll be able to force some mistakes. And I think that TCU may be able to get to those things early. And if they get to those things early and get a lead, I actually think it's more imperative for Michigan to start fast than it is for TCU, because if they get behind the whole running the football thing and just physically dominating the game and just kind of bullying them in your way to a win, like that's out the window. Like all of a sudden it's like, we have to have quarterback play and get guys open down the field and win long passing routes in order to win the game. And I think if you get to that place, that's just a really dangerous place to play TCU. And if they start believing then Michigan could be in trouble. And I think we get to that place. Like, it's what I'm cheering for. It's what I think is going to happen. Um, I've been there all year, so, like, I'm sticking sticking with it now. What's your score for the Ohio State-Michigan game – or Georgia game? Uh, I think Georgia beats Ohio State 36-31. to 31. Okay. I I have a low-scoring affair for both games. I'm with you, 27-24. But I have Michigan beating TCU. I do think the storybook ending ends in the college football playoff. I think Michigan gets to win. Then I have kind of a flip to the script only because I want absolute freaking chaos in the college football playoffs. I also have a low-scoring affair in the second one. I have 27-24 Ohio State over Georgia. I think Somehow, Ohio State figures it out. I don't know why I have so much faith in them, but I do. And that sets us up for a Michigan-Ohio State national championship. Yeah, I I just – I have a hard time. Like, I don't want to have to – if I'm going to believe in something, the thing I don't want to believe in, like if you made me rank everything that I didn't want to believe in in this college football playoff, at the top of the list would be Ohio State's defense. So <laughs> Okay. All right, that makes sense. All right. Who's your national champ then? Who do you have? Georgia Georgia wins the national championship. I think that I think a Georgia TCU national championship. I think Georgia just has too much. Like I just think they'd probably overwhelm them. Um I don't think it'd be a blowout, but I think they would win. I think they would control it. Like I think they would control that game start to finish. Um, I mean, if I had to give you a score prediction, I'd probably give you like that one, I think would be low scoring. I would probably give you like, you know, 34 to 17. Um, I think Georgia would control it and win the game. Uh, I just think they're so much better than everyone else right now. And I think I've kind of got to that place like a couple weeks ago. And I just, I think they're so much better than everyone else right now. I can't pick against them. I have Michigan winning it. I, I think they would beat Ohio state. And I think if they played Georgia, I think they would they would not that they need bulletin board material because that's something us fans and media come up with, but definitely I think that's something that would hang in the back of their head is the fact that Georgia beat them last year. So I have Michigan winning the national championship this year. Hey, I will say this. I predicted that the four in the national championship last or in the preseason. I picked Michigan and Ohio State both to be in there. I did pick Alabama and Clemson. Nonetheless, don't worry about that part. But I got told I was silly for putting both Big Ten teams in there. 
I got that part right. All right, I had Ohio State winning the national championship, but that was preseason. I don't believe that now. I had I had Ohio State preseason too, and like, and that's why I don't like like we've got Ohio State fans at the network. Like, I get told all the time that I hate Ohio State, and I hated Ohio State so much that I picked them to win the national championship. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. All right, so, Walker. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say like yeah, like I just like it's hard like. I think that nuance and being able to change is the most important thing in this sport because they're still like, we lose, we lose perspective of the fact that these are 18 to 22 year olds. And a lot of times things aren't going to be the same on a day-to-day basis with those people. I completely agree. Hey, do you have some time for some trivia? Oh, dude, I love trivia. I'll take, yeah, I do. I got time. All right, let's do this. We're going to do some football uh, trivia. I mean, I could do basketball, but I feel like, you know, football is more of the. I'm never like I'm not I'm not a like super good trivia guy, but I always enjoy participating. So like, I want to see what you have. I want to see. I want to see what you have in store. All right, I have a trivia set. So just in case, see, I'm not pulling these out of my rear end. Oh I'm yeah, getting them, oh, from, awesome. getting them from cards. So <laughs> you don't have to be like, oh, what's going on? I'm trying to find one that's like not a layup. Like a lot of these are so easy. Man, let's see here. That's too easy. Let's go. All right, you ready? Ready. In what year did the NFL move the goalpost to the back of the end zone? So it used to be like the CFL where it was in the front. Now it's in the back of the end zone. What year did they move it to the back? I have no idea. I'm going to go like, but I'm going to give you a guess. Like, I'm not going to cop out and say I don't have a guess. Like, I'm going to at least go down swinging. Um, I'm going to go like 1974. <laughs> you hit it right like, on the head. Did I really? Yeah, 1974. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll like full disclosure, like, I'll even say it just for the record. I did not actually know that. I, that was purely, that was, that was some crazy guesswork. Who was the first non-quarterback to throw 10 touchdown passes in their career? If you get this, I will be impressed. See, like, and, like, instinctually, I was going to guess a Titan, but I know it's not a Titan. Um, God, I have no idea. I'm going to give you any... I'm going to give you Eddie George just to give you Eddie George. <laughs> no, it's not Eddie George. This is long before your time, long before my time. Uh, Frank Gifford. Oh, see, like, I don't even know. Like, I, yeah, I would have never gotten there. <laughs> I would have never guessed that. What? All right, I'll give you – this will be the final one. What Super Bowl era NFL record did Alvin Kamara break during the 2020 season? You said what uh, record did Alvin Kamara bring? Or Super Bowl yes. era record? Yeah. Was it like receiving touchdowns by a running back? Not receiving. Was it rushing touchdowns by a yes. running back? Huh. The single I thought game... that, that was way too obvious. I was like, there's no way. The single game rushing touchdowns, which he said. Oh, because he had five. Yeah, that was the game where he had five, right? Well, he's, he's six. He had six. six. Yeah, he was, or he had to count them out on his fingers or whatever. 
I remember. All right, that. well, Walker, that was a, that was a fun time. I had fun talking college football. Love doing football trivia. You ended the hey. I got you in before the year ended. I, I can't know, believe man. it took this long to get you on. Hey, before you go, let everyone know where they can find you, what you're working on, those types of things, my guy. Yeah, so it's at Walker Bailey eight one eight on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me there, and then a lot of projects, kind of a, at OTBN. Just recorded some college basketball stuff with Jim Rude of Field of sixty eight. Uh, kind of looking at the SEC heading into the SEC basketball season yesterday. Um, looked at Wednesday's games, even looked at games tonight. Tour if you're trying to enjoy like late night stuff tonight, you can get in there and kind of check out the stuff for that slate. Uh, Field Stormers with Mo Murphy. Uh, we record every single week. We're going to get in and talk again, I think, before the playoff this week and have that out. Um, so that's our weekly college football podcast. It'll go through the offseason. We won't break for that. So we'll uh, – that's – and then just follow all the good people at offtheballnetwork.com. So much good stuff going on over there. I think they're doing the year in review show, like, just right across from us right now. So uh, go and check stuff like that out. Uh, it's log onto the website, you read all the blogs. There's so much good stuff over there right now. So check all that out. Yeah. Great people, great talent, a lot of fun people to talk about. A lot of fun to talk uh sports with a lot of the people in there. We give each other a hard time. We're we're like a big family yeah. in there for sure. But Walker, thank you. A heck of a debut. You did great, my guy. And I appreciate I, that. I I enjoy having you on. We're gonna have to like I wish our teams were a little bit better in the NFL so we could come on and have more of like a heated debate about AFC South football. But I'm you going know, on tomorrow. Like I'm going on tomorrow on uh with Aaron to talk about Titans Cowboys and I'm gonna be like, Well, listen, like we're not gonna play any of our starters. So like I don't really know what I'm supposed to say. Hey, like as long as you guys don't give up thirty three points in one quarter, I think you'll be all right. Oh, I think no. I mean, like, I think we're like, if you look at the injury report, we're literally playing zero starters. Like, they're resting everybody. They're like, no, we're gonna wait and save it all for Jacksonville next week. All right. Well, Walker, have a great night, dude. I'll, I'll be looking forward to the college football playoffs. I'm sure we'll be going back and forth in the group chat at some point. I'm sure we'll be talking about it because it will be the must-watch thing on TV on December 31st. Thank you for coming I on, do. my guy. Absolutely, man. I feel like my legacy is on the line on Saturday, so like I got to get ready. <laughs> All right, Walker, have a good night, man. You too, man.